0: Welcome to the fifth of our services this evening. This one has a special feel to it, doesn't it? It always does. I look out and see friends who've been a part of our church for a long, long time come back and visit us every Christmas. And it's just great to welcome you here to Bells and to Communion and, and to all the rest that makes up this final service of the evening. How many of you here are uh, Christmas Eve present openers? I'm just curious. All f- four of you. you <laughs> You, you can't wait. To, you can't sleep through the night. You've got to get right to it. The rest of you, Christmas morning? Yeah. How many of you have ever opened a, a present and found the thing was broken inside? Any ever ever done that? Well, um, I had that experience. I'm going to share it with you. When I was a young minister down in Bakersfield, every year our church staff had a white elephant exchange. And you know what those are. They're you know, worthless gifts that you don't want, and so you give them away. And um, And so in 1982, this is the gift that I received. It was a glass ballerina Christmas ornament. You know, nothing said Mark tune like a glass ballerina. I was lucky to tip a a branch up in the corner and hang, you know, colored golf balls from it. So the idea, this was wasted on me. And uh, so you know what I did next year? Gave, gave it right, it right back. back. Yeah, I just I planned to, to re-gift it. Problem was along the way I managed to snap off her, one of her legs. So I just put the leg in with the ballerina and packaged it up and turned it back in. And thus began a tradition. Every year that stupid ballerina reappeared and it would have more body parts missing. You know, the, the other leg was gone, the arm was gone. And uh, I finally escaped Bakersfield. I came to Gig Harbor. I'm here. I get a present from my friends in Bakersfield. What do you think it is, the first Christmas? I pull it out. It's the head of this. And the glass shards are in the box underneath there. It was a pathetic gift. No one wanted it. It was broken. We've been talking a lot about gifts these last few weeks of Advent. The question has been, what do you want for Christmas? And we've asked this of, of the main Christmas characters. We asked Joseph, what do you want for Christmas, Joseph? And he said, I want a divorce. I mean, that's really what he said, right? I want a divorce. I, this is not what I signed on for. I want out of this. this. This young woman that I thought I knew and loved, she has betrayed me. We asked King Herod, what do you want for Christmas? He said, I want my throne. I want power, and I will do anything I have to to hold on to it. We asked the same question of Mary. Mary, what do you want for Christmas? She said... I want my reputation back. No one believes me. My life is never going to be the same again. So we've been asking the question of all of us, what do you want for Christmas? Tonight we ask it of, well, he's kind of a central character to the Christmas story, the one we haven't yet asked. Who is that? Jesus. Yeah, it's like a safe answer around here. You, anytime you say Jesus, you're probably going to be good. So tonight we ask Jesus the question, what do you want for Christmas, Jesus? Of course, he was a baby, he couldn't have answered that question, but years later, when he was teaching, he made it very clear why he had come to earth in the first place. He told us this in what is now one of the most famous New Testament uh, verses of of all. Even those who don't know much about the Bible will probably recognize this, this verse. And it's not normally a Christmas Eve verse, but if you listen very carefully... You might understand what it was that, that Jesus wanted for that first Christmas. Why he was there. So let's turn together to John three sixteen. Actually, it'll, it'll appear on the on the screen. Why don't we just read it together? Ready, set, go. For, for, for God, God so loved, so loved, the, loved the, world, the world that he, that he gave, gave his, his one and only, and only son, son. That whoever that believes, believes in, in him, him shall, shall not, not perish, perish but, but have eternal, eternal life. life. For For God God did did not send send His Son son into into the the world world to condemn the world, but but to save the world through Him. him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for 2,000 years ago, your appearances to us through an angel. Thank you that your people heard your voice and their lives were changed. That's what we hope for tonight, too, that by your Spirit and by your word we will hear from you and our life will be changed. Only you can do that, and we ask it of you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So did you figure out the answer to our question? The question is, Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? And I think this text would suggest his response might have been, I want the world. I want my world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When John uses that word world there, Jesus speaks that word. He's not talking about the globe. He's not talking about the planet. It was Jesus' shorthand way of talking about the most precious thing in the world to him, which is what? People, you. When Jesus says, for God so loved the world, he's saying, for God loved you and you and you and you and you. And if we had the time, it would be all the way around. He was crazy about you. So crazy about you. That he sent his son to earth, I know most of you know this, but that is really what this Christmas stuff is all about it 's not about Santa Claus and reindeer and gifts and eggnog and even though all of those things are fun and, and wonderful. Christmas is the amazing story that that God came to earth as a baby in. Cognito. But let me ask this when he got here, what was the state of the world to which he came? Were were people treating each other kindly? Were governments ruling justly? And were his people obeying God and living in a way that pleased and honored him? Of course, the answer is no, no, no. Again and again and again we looked upon that world, and it was so broken. All, the folks were not living the way God wanted. The world was in terrible shape. And we get a hint of it from the second verse of our text. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save. Save the world through him. Tell me, when you use the word save, do you save things that are in good shape? Do you save things that are doing well? No, no. you save things that are in in trouble. You save things that are hopeless. You save things that are floundering, save things that are drowning. You save things that are broken. And God's opinion, when he looked upon the world, God's opinion was, my world is very broken, and it needs saving. I bet some of you have some toddlers somewhere in the mix who are going to be opening presents uh, tomorrow morning. I came across some very helpful t- uh, tips for you if you, uh, if you care to pay attention to them. They're toddler gift hints, uh, toddler gift rules. And I just thought I'd run through these with you j- just on the chance that some of you will be contending with this tomorrow. It would really help you, I think. Here's first toddler gift rule. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. it's mine if I had it a little while ago it's mine if I saw it first it's mine. if you were playing with it and put it down it automatically becomes mine that's right see here's one last uh, toddler gift rule if it's broken it's yours. you know the rules <laughs> you know the rule doesn't that about ring true mine 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 mine, mine. broken yours It's like that lousy ballerina ornament. Nobody (laughs) wants broken things for Christmas. Well, that's not exactly true. One person wanted broken things for Christmas. One person looked at broken things and said, that's mine. Christmas is that moment in history when God looked down upon the world he loved. He said, it is broken and it's mine, so I'm going to fix it. And he sent his one and only son to do just that. What did Jesus want for Christmas? He wanted his broken world so that he could fix it. He could make it right. For God so loved the world, that broken world, that he sent his only son. I was fascinated this year to hear that the Time Person of the Year Award went to, did you hear it? The Ebola Fighters the healthcare workers who left the United States and went to West Africa to battle what is really one of the most frightening diseases in our lifetime. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I, I didn't live during polio, so for me, this is, the, this is the one. And we watched with great interest, and I think a little bit of trepidation as a nation, didn't we? particularly when we began to hear stories of doctors who had caught Ebola coming back to our shores and staying in our hospitals. And I remember a not very gracious response beginning to well up within, within me. When I heard that, that we had a, a sick uh, doctor in a hospital, when I heard that we had a, a possibly infected nurse flying in an airplane, I began to think things like, why are you doing this? This is not safe. You're putting us at risk. Why would you come over here and, and, and put this nation at risk of, de- of an epidemic? I'll bet I'm not the only one in the room that, that had those thoughts go through their mind. But honestly, I became ashamed of those thoughts. The more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it. And as I discovered that many of the doctors who went right into the middle of the epidemic were Christians. Christians who felt like they were following the call of God to go to that place. What they said is, we follow a Christ who came to a broken world to fix it. And they looked across that ocean and they saw there in West Africa, brokenness. They said, that's broken and it's mine. These are human beings. And we are going to step in and we are going to care for them because if we don't, they will die and the nation, their continent will be ravaged by an epidemic. So even if it means our lives, we will go. Does that sound similar to another story that we're reading about tonight? Jesus looked across the ocean of time and space. And he said, that place is broken and those human beings are precious to me and I am going to go and fix it, even if it means my life. And of course, it cost him exactly that. In some ways, it's easier for us to think about brokenness that's across the ocean or in some other place. We're Gig Harbor. Even the name of our community sounds safe and snug And yet everyone who knows anything knows that our harbor is anything but unbroken. Just get on this road and drive down there about a mile and a half and you'll find a good bit of brokenness there. This last week, Cindy and I joined a a group of about 30 Chapel Hill folks who were caroling at the Women's Correction Center. We had never done, the two of us, Cindy and I had never done that before, but these folks go year after year. They invited us to come It was just a powerful experience and a a little frightening when you go in and those gates slam behind you and yeah but um, we we sang 12 Christmas carols seven times in seven different locations you do the math that's about a hundred Christmas carols by the time we were done my fingers were raw my throat was sore and my heart was deeply touched you look out across the room of, of these women all of them dressed in the same prison garb. And I would see this young girl that's the age of my daughter. And I'd see this woman who's the age of my mother. And even as I'm strumming along, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world happened in your story? What brokenness took hold of you that it would deposit you in this place? It was kind of weird because... We were singing "Santa Claus is coming to town." You know, you never better watch out. Better, you know, he he's got his list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Every time I sang that, I, I felt a little self-conscious. That was the thing they sang the loudest: "They're naughty and nice," and they're pointing at each other. You know, I think I don't even know if we should be singing this thing. So, you know, they walked us into security, maximum security. Just as we walked in, they put all of the inmates into lockdown. So they sent them into their cells and slammed the cell door shut, locked them. And so all we saw were these these slots through the door and these small windows up at the top. And so we all kind of stood there. We weren't quite sure what we were supposed to do because we're just staring at a bank of steel doors. So we Asked the guard, are we supposed to sing? He said, oh yeah, sing, they'll, they'll hear you. So we began to sing. And sure enough, as we sang, we began to hear angelic voices singing out through the pass-through slots in the, in the doors. And we saw others who were peering out over the window to get a glimpse of us as we were singing. And when we were done and we were getting ready to leave, they were leaning down and saying, God bless you, Merry Christmas. And they were waving through the window it was it was powerful and you know you can't you can't be in there without being face to face with the brokenness of humanity and then you come here on a night like this and it's so much better disguised we're dressed up in our nice clothes and we're sitting nicely, nicely with each other, and we're going to go home and open presents and hopefully not going to kill each other in the pro. I mean, you know, we're behaving ourselves, but the fact of the matter is the 4,000 people who are here tonight they're going to go home. a big bunch of those are dealing with significant brokenness in their lives. Isn't that true? And sometimes the holidays brings out the worst relationships that are in terrible shape, unforgiveness and bitterness that's held out. You can hardly stand each other. You come together once and then you go your ways and you're so grateful to be done with the day. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is the tough reality. We might be able to hide our brokenness behind tinsel and wrapping paper and ornaments, but the truth of it is we are every bit as broken as those women right down the street. We just didn't get caught. We're just hiding it better. London Times once ran a headline that asked the question What is wrong with the world today? And one of the respondents was a writer named G.K. Chesterton. His letter to the editor said simply this Dear sir, I am yours truly. G.K. Chesterton. What's wrong with the world today? Chesterton said honestly and humbly, I'm wrong with the world today. And he actually he speaks for every one of us. That is the truth. What is wrong with the world is our hearts, our brokenness. So what do we do about it? What does Christmas say about it? Tomorrow a movie is going to come out that is based upon one of the best books I ever read called Unbroken. How many have read it? That's pretty good. You win the second prize of literacy in the services. <laughs> it's a story of a guy named Louis Zamperini. He was, a, he was an a, Olympic athlete who, was, who went into the military, into the Air Force in World War II. His plane was shot down. He spent 45 days on a life raft in the sea. And he was rescued only to be then taken by the Japanese and put into a POW camp. And he was brutally treated there. He had one particular sure. guard called the Bird who just brutalized him, tortured him every day, took him to the same place, beat him up, This his treatment and the other. It went on for two years. Finally, he was set free. And the, the title is taken from the fact that, you know, nothing broke him the the raft in the water didn't break him the airplane crashing didn't break him the, the prison guards didn't break him but in fact it wasn't a very good title it wasn't true because if you read the book more carefully you realize that when he got back home he was a broken man he he became an alcoholic his relationships suffered he went through traumatic stress he was having terrible nightmares according to his son in an interview i heard yesterday He was just a mess. He was very broken. Hmm. About four years into that kind of a life, his wife, who was kind of fed up, dragged him to a meeting with a a new young hotshot preacher named Billy Graham or something. (laughs) And Zamperini listened to him and... By the time that Graham was done talking about this Jesus who had come to the world to heal broken people, he had his hand up in the air and he said, I am broken. Unlike the title of the book, I am very broken. He gave his life to Christ and he would testify and his sons testified in this or in the interview I heard yesterday that his life was different from that day forward. The nightmares stopped. The alcoholism stopped. The relationships began to heal up. Probably the crowning achievement of what Christ had done in his life came in 1950 when he felt led to go back to Japan, track down the POW camp where the war criminals were kept, including all the guards who had brutalized him. And he, he came to that camp and he said all of those who, who recognize me, would you, stand, would you step forward? And several of them did. And, and he said, because of Jesus, I forgive you. The shame of this is that none of that is in the movie. The movie is about torture and standing up and being self-sufficient and enduring and getting through it. But the real story, the blessed story behind the story is not an unbroken man but a man who was broken and made whole by Jesus Christ. The story, the blessing behind Christmas is the same. Of a God who looked upon a broken world and unlike the toddler said that's mine. I claim it. And I'm going to fix it. And I know just the sun to send